You know, when we, we read ancient scriptures about miracles, maybe sometimes there's sort of this thought, I wonder if that really happened. That happened at Hansa Temple. I'm telling you, I was there. There was a double rainbow over Hansa Temple, and it was centered over Hansa Temple, and we were going to play somewhere over the rainbow at that service. But since the divine threw the rainbow at us, we decided to nix that part of it. It was, it was done. It was said. So I'd like to talk a little bit about the guru um, and about the, the big guru, the Satguru. Remember on Monday, Jyotish talked about the universe coming into existence as if a, a twang of a string and the divine, the unmoved, infinite divine gave forth the universe. And at that moment, the vibration began. And there are two currents in that vibration. As that string went one way, it went out into Maya. And as the string came back, the dispeller of darkness manifest. The dispeller of darkness is the guru. At the moment that Maya begins, the guru begins. And the battle begins. Everything in this universe is Maya and the guru, the Satguru, the true guru, the great guru. Everything that we see and hear is a call from the divine, come home, and the Maya saying, go away, <laughs> stay away, go out into it. And every current and positive thought and upliftment. Remember in the beginning of this week, we talked about the upward moving current, the inward moving current. This is the force of the guru. And it pervades this universe just as surely as the maya pervades this universe. And constantly, the maya is trying to shroud the light, increase the darkness, increase the negativity, increase the skepticism, increase the problems of the universe. And the guru force, the satguru, is uplifting, harmonizing, loving, kindness, joy, peace. The two are eternally battling. And we would do well to, at times at least, consider the Satguru, the great guru of the universe, and to expand our awareness. Because as has been said throughout the week, the guru is not just the man or the woman, the scripture, the truth, the teaching. But it is the great truth. It is the impetus for all human improvement and all human upliftment is the Satguru. But Swami Kriyananda used to tell us that it's hard to get your mind around the Satguru, the great force. It's too big. We're human beings. We have feelings and we identify love with examples. Last night, the um, Palo Alto players performed a marvelous presentation of Whispers from Eternity. 
and music from Swami Kriyananda and Paramahansa Yogananda. And in their presentation, you saw innumerable examples of the variation of divine love. We heard Master calling for the naughty baby of the divine one to come forth. And we had dance and song and variation, tremendous variation, but all on the theme of the Satguru, of upliftment, whispers from eternity. But when they read that part about the whispers from eternity, you remember, they said, the whispers from eternity are hard to hear. Why? Maya, static, worldliness, restlessness, the evening news, the internet, all this stuff is out there. And the true guru is drowned out. The word guru has entered the American lexicon. It has been introduced in various ways. And with that comes the Americanization, is it? The Americanization of the guru? And that is the commercialization and the bastardization and everything else that happens when American advertising companies become party to great truths. Maria last week was informed by an airlines that she was a getaway guru and, and that she could share her experience. If you know Maria, she rarely goes anywhere but this ashram and to the Sacramento Center and to the Portland Center. And it's, but she's a getaway guru. And I think there were some mileage points involved, but we didn't really go into it in great depth. But that's, that's just what's going to happen. Because Maya is active in the world, consciously trying to prevent you from self-realization. And the guru is active in the world, and he, she, it, it, that, taught, whatever we want to call it, is actively pulling us. And you could hear in whispers last night in the presentation this dialogue. I think that John Dave referred to it on Wednesday. It's a relationship. God is calling us to come back into the light, to come back into a realm of joy, a realm which our souls remember. Come back. There's a feeling in each one of us that is the guru, and it is in every human being, and it is what pulls us towards self-improvement, towards save the whales, towards every good thing. Feed the hungry, stop the war in Sudan, stop the war here, there, everywhere. There's lots and lots of wars because Maya is doing a wonderful job. But there's a call always. That's the Satguru. It's calling us from a place of infinity to come back to infinity, to leave this drama behind, to get out of this. And all of you came this week because the Satguru is subtly calling you all the time. And those of you who didn't come, the Maya got a better offer. The monster trucks, the Vegas trip, whatever it is. I have nothing against Las Vegas. We used to have a center there. I love Las Vegas. Om, om, om. But there's two balance. There's a balance here. And the Satguru is that vast, untouched 
place of divine love that we all remember because you are a part of all that is. That's where we're from. That's what we are. And the Maya constantly says no. And Dr. Peter talked about this. There's this tension. You need this. You, how, how bad these people are, those people are. You are a part of all that is. The divine is calling us. And it's impelling all human improvement and upliftment. And that's the Sakuru. And repeatedly, because it is too big for us to grasp easily, the Divine Mother sends the teachings. She sends mystics and gurus and saints and positive leaders to the planet over and over again. And they give us truths which help us and which we draw on and which we resonate with in our hearts and minds. And they're the scriptures and the avatars and the teachings and the sacred shamans. And they're Lao Tzu and Buddha and Moses and Jesus Christ and all the other saints and sages that come to earth. They are the Satguru. If you are here for the first time and think, or may have been under the impression, that we think Paramahansa Yogananda is the best guru, we don't. Because we understand that the Satguru is everything. Swami Kriyananda once addressed this. He said, this person told me that their, their guru was better than Yogananda. And, Yogananda, and Swami Kriyananda said, but Kriyananda is my guru. So he's the best guru for me. Ananda's guru is Paramahansa Yogananda. He's the best guru for us. Sri Teshwar, this line of gurus. But that doesn't mean that Paramahansa Yogananda is better than the Buddha or Kuan Yin or Lao Tzu or any other form. Because as human beings, we need a form. We need something to put our arms around. We need someone to talk to us in a language that we can understand. There are, throughout history, occasionally, saints who have found realization with the Satguru without any seeming contact with the Guru. But they're few and far between. And if you are one of them, God bless you. Good. It's wonderful. We can't judge each other's spiritual progress because we realize that we're all part of one truth. You're a part of all that is. And that love has different flavors. When I was a young man, I began a study of truth. And so I lived in San Francisco in the 60s, and I had everybody coming to my city to share truth. It was wonderful and exciting. And I read books on Buddhism and Zen and yoga and mystic Christianity. And I found that, especially when I visited these saints, or they came to visit, or I went to their ashrams or their zendos or whatever it was, that there was a, a certain vibration, a very high vibration that was central to all of them. The flavor was different 
the zendo with the white walls and the black robes and the gong and the stick and all that stuff, the little med benches. It was good, but it wasn't me. It wasn't what I like. It wasn't what I felt at home with. But there was reverence for the guru, reverence for truth. There was kindness. There was universal sweetness, drier than I like. I like this stuff. <laughs> I like lots of flowers and this crazy, uh, whatever it's, glitter stuff and, the, and the, uh, the magic robes and stuff. That's great. That's, that's flashy. <laughs> Asha's come a long way from the old days with the new costumes, huh? <laughs> but, but there's a vibration in a zendo, in a Buddhist monastery, that is singular. And that's the Satguru. The flavor of how you chant and what color you wear and how you dance and the Sufis and all that, it's different because we're a big family. We're a big human family. And God has to send us innumerable avatars and innumerable true paths, but they all have that center of the Satguru. The next step, though, is you call for the Divine Mother, and the Divine Mother responds. That's what Maria was saying. If Swami said he was thinking about God, but he didn't call on God. God, help. Help me. I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. Even as you begin the spiritual path, you get a, a pattern that the Zen guys are good, and the Buddhist guys are good, and the yoga guys are good, and the Christian guys are good, and the Kabbalah is good. And, but where do I, how do I touch it? How do I grab it? And that's where the guru comes in. When you get to that level, then the guru responds, and God sends you a guru. For us, we're infinitely grateful that Paramahansa Yogananda was given to us as a guru. But even then, Yogananda was gone by the time I was born. And so what would it be like? I needed somebody who's alive. And Kriyananda came along. There was Kriyananda. This is how the teachings are lived. But Kriyananda didn't live like Yogananda because Kriyananda lived in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. He lives now, in this, this time. How does the Guru live now? And that's what we have been so blessed to receive. The writings of Master, the songs of Master, and his most eloquent disciple, Swami Kriyananda. I challenged him on that. I said, Swamiji, I don't think that any of the other disciples were as eloquent as you. He hedged. He didn't say anything. <laughs> I knew I won the argument. <laughs> Who wrote that many books? Who wrote that music? Who lived the life? Who created the World Brotherhood Colonies that Master wanted to create? But it doesn't end in the past. Kriyananda's gone. Physically, Jyotish and Devi have to steer the ship for now. What's the next expression? What's the Indira Institute? What's Spaceship Ananda? You know, who knows? It's never been, to, frankly, it's never been of interest to me what the guru wants me to do or what we're going to do. My job is to do what the guru wants. I don't know what the results I didn't even care if we built the community. I'm just glad to be here. I wanted the guru. I had Kriya. 
I had Satsang, I had Jyotish and Devi, I had Seva, I had Jaya, Sadhana Devi, Prakash, I Asha, I have all these people, they're going to help me. I'm going to tune in to God, I'm going to find God, I'm going to realize the self, just like the Zen masters do and the Buddhist masters do. Because one thing I noticed when I was looking at these other paths is that the masters ended up at the same place. They were in bliss. Satori, Nirvana, Samadhi. I don't know even what the words mean, except that they are the state of bliss that we come to. That's the guru. The realization is that we are part of that and that the maya is the only thing that's preventing us. When Swami Kriyananda, the first time I ever heard him talk, he was talking on a radio show. I was very surprised because Swami Kriyananda was speaking, and he didn't have an Indian accent. I thought, well, how can, how can he be Swami Kriyananda? Who is this guy? He doesn't have an Indian accent. I found out later he's not even from India. Because <laughs> there would be gurus all the time talking on the radio, and they always had an Indian accent. Well, the, the Tibetan guys didn't, but anyway. But the vibration and the truth was there, and you could feel it inside. And that's where we feel the guru. That's where we experience the guru. It's not what he looks like or she looks like. It's not the teachings that she gives or the methods. It's not the mantra that they give or the dance of the Sufis or whatever it is. It's the experience of the consciousness of the guru. And that is what we're after. That is what the guru brings to the world. It's the antidote to the maya. It's the destroyer of delusion. It's the guru. It's the dispeller. And the, you practice it with that spirit and that faith. And every one of the prayers from last night, all these calls from the prayer at dawn, prayer at noon, prayer at eventide, prayer at night, all of these are calls to that one divine consciousness and we have to practice that. If you find your guru, if you haven't found your guru yet, keep searching. The true guru will always lead you to your true guru. So you have no fear that Yogananda is going to steer you over into his club. He's not interested in members. He's not interested in membership, donors. He's interested in you realizing the self. And you will. Because by attunement with the guru, there is a blessing that adds to the practice. We've been talking about the tools of self-realization and the practices. And all week we've been talking about how we do that. But the other part that we haven't talked about as much is that the guru is pulling us. And we're trying to align ourselves with that pull. We practice Kriya regularly and faithfully as it is taught to us. But the guru's consciousness is pulling us at the point between the eyebrows into that consciousness. And when you touch that, you realize that the maya is on this level and the guru's on this level and that you are on that level. And that's what's been calling you. That's why you came to Spiritual Renewal Week. That's why you practice meditation. That's why you feel disappointed when you goof up, when you fail to practice correctly, when your attitude is not what it should be, you realize that it should be the attitude of the guru. 
And we have the stories in the life of, in our case, Paramahansa Yogananda, in your case, the Guru, whoever it is. But we find in those stories, and if you read The New Path by Swami Kriyananda, you find that he didn't just tell stories, he told the stories that illustrate the truths that we need for self-realization. Those are the ones he picked. He went on to write conversations, more stories, just about attitudes, about practices. But they all come to the realization of that one self that's beyond everything. When I was a young man, I was studying a, a great teacher named Meher Baba. And uh, at the ripe old age of 17, I <laughs> memorized a quote from Meher Baba. To penetrate into the essence of all being and significance and to release the fragrance of that inner attainment for the guidance and benefit of others by expressing in the world of form truth, love, purity, and beauty. This is the sole game which has any intrinsic and absolute worth. All other incidents, happenings, and attainments can in themselves have no lasting importance. I'm 17, and that's what I think. So how can I take the world seriously after that? I can't, because the, the whole point of this world is to find the guru and to touch that consciousness, and master has that consciousness. And your guru, if you're not a disciple of Yogananda, just substitute the name of your guru. But your guru has that, that vibration, and that guru is trying desperately to help you out of this morass. He, she is sending you love and a call from their place of consciousness. Kriyananda never hesitated to remind us that's why we're here. Ananda is meant for that purpose and everything else is just to facilitate sharing the guru. We had to have the expanding light, we had to have roads, we had to have running water, we had to have work in India, Italy, China. I can't believe we're in China. It's just amazing to me because I thought that we could never get to China. Did I doubt the guru? Did I doubt that master could do anything? I don't think I did, but I'm just surprised. I'm still surprised at how great the guru is because the guru is infinite. There's no end. There's no end to the love. There's no end to the acceptance. But the thing is we have to remember is there's no end to our love. There's no end to our ability to accept. Love heroically? Yes. Master said that one of the greatest miracles of Christ was on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is, these are the people that are crucifying me. He's, oh, you guys, oh, I told you not to do that. This is, this is going to be terrible, bad karma. This is just a mess. That's his prayer. Oh, Father, forgive them. They, they didn't mean it. You know, he's defending us. You know, they didn't mean it. They didn't know. The guru recognizes maya. So you never have to be ashamed. You never have to feel bad. The guru understands maya. He's been at war with Maya since the start, since, the, go, since Jyotish twanged the, the string back there. So what is the guru? Bearing the bliss of Brahma. 
This is the, the bliss before the creation divided, the undivided bliss, no maya, no trouble, no taxes, no ins, no sickness, no racial hatred, no fighting. The bliss of Brahma, that unitive consciousness, that's what the guru has. When you listen to Swami Kriyananda talk about master, he would talk, and, and this is true of many, many disciples that I have met in various disciplines. When they look at the guru, he's a window, and they see infinity. I, I'll tell you a little story. Last night I was here for this beautiful presentation, and I saw this picture, and I thought, I wonder if we could leave that up tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't say anything because it's not my place. But they left it up. Who left it up? Guru left it up because I asked him. Just leave the picture up just one more day. It's, it's good. It's beautiful. Not that the other five pictures weren't good. They were beautiful too. But that's the beauty of the guru. It's ever new. It's always changing. Beauty, more beauty. Most beauty. Infinite beauty. Infinite love. You have that inside of yourself. You must look to that infinity. You must look to it every once in a while at least. That Swami gave us many, and Master gave us many examples of, and we talked about it earlier this week, expansion into infinity, infinite guru. You can't put the guru in a box. Yogananda had life after life. And Maria read this, my guru, prayer. Over and over, the guru comes. And we battle and we identify we're this person and we're, we need this. And we would go to Swami and we have these problems. And Swami, can you fix them? And he'll help. He'll help. But where he would point you is to your own divinity, the own, your own perfection. And that's a difficult concept at first. But with practice and with the entire Book of Whispers from Eternity, you kind of get the... Did you notice last night that Asha and Ramurti were kind of going over this different ground the same way, weren't they? They were saying, call the divine. Call with intensity and realize we've never been apart. We've never been separate. That the guru is everywhere. And so as we live in this world as disciples... We have to see the guru everywhere. And Dr. Peter talked about this, and Gyandev talked about this. Gyandev mentioned that he prefers to look at the good in the world. I would suggest it's a good thing. I would suggest say yes to life. Swami Kriyananda asked one thing if he was against something, and he said, I'm not against anything. I'm just for things. The guru is for things. It's for light. It's for harmony. It's for divine love, it's for kindness, it's for beauty, it's for truth, it's for goodness. You're probably all for that. Who's in favor of the darkness, of fighting, of disharmony, of hatred, of disavowing your brother and sister's divinity? Not the guru. The guru is open to all. And the guru sees the other paths as going along the same way. Christ said it, didn't he? He who's not against us is for us. And Master, that's why 
he called his church the Church of All Religions. That's why Ananda teaches World Brotherhood and the Church of All Religions. Because all the paths lead to that one true goal. And that goal is formless, nameless. And yet, it's hard for us to understand. We could see it in Yogananda. We could see it in Kriyananda. We could see it in each other. We see it in Jyotish and Devi. We see it in the next of us. We see it in the interns. These are the interns are Badri mentioned. They're the young people coming. So are they young people that are coming for material gain? No. They're coming because the guru is calling to them, saying, truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it and your deathless self within. That's what the impetus of the intern program is. So what we do is we pray for them to come. <laughs> we pray every Friday. Interns, wherever you are, come join us in this feast of joy. And they come. And we get the best interns. We have the most wonderful young people because they're like us when we were that age. They're seeking truth. They know that the Maya is not working. They know that the tension and the hatred and all this bad stuff there's got to be a better way. World Brotherhood colonies, yes. Apartment complexes in cities, yes. Group houses in Dallas, yes. Whatever it is, you go from where you are towards the guru, and you just keep molding your life in the direction of the guru. Everything that you do, try to make it God-reminding. Try to make it like the guru. Yogananda wrote the uh, Whispers from Eternity, and he wrote Metaphysical Meditations. That's a great book. But he, he talks about, oh, mystic electrician. The uh, little cottage by the brook of my life is, the wiring is bad, <laughs> you know? Nervousness. So if you're an electrician, David Mooney, he reads that every day. <laughs> if you're a plumber, if you're an auto mechanic, if you're a stenographer. Are there stenographers anymore? No, probably not. If you're a programmer, if you're in the cloud, wherever you are, God, God, God. God's in the cloud. God's everywhere. Infinite. No end. So don't leave him behind because you've got to be conscious that Maya is trying to mess you up. In a week from today, Maya is going to say, you know, that, that was a good week, but Let's ease up on that stuff, you know. Let's, 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 you know, you don't have to get up that early. Come on. You know, you do. You have to realize that you're the guru. And what happens is, as the consciousness moves into guru consciousness, you realize that that's all there is. That's the place that many of us that have been here for a long time are at. And it's the place that I noticed when I was a young man when I met Buddhists who had been in the abbey for a long time, when I met Zen practitioners, when I met yogis that lived with great saints like Swami Satchitananda and Swami Muktananda and those people, I noticed that the people that had been there a long time were very much like the guru. They were very calm, very joyful. They were full of energy, but there was no ego. They talk to me like they talk to one of their brother monks. I was amazed. Because in the world, it all depends on your status, what degree you have, how many years experience you have. And in the world of spirit, 
It's how many lifetimes of experience you have and how many years doesn't really matter this time. So seek it out and make it a part of your life. Read my whispers from eternity. Eternally, I will talk to you through them. Feel that presence. And you will find in your meditation by deeper, longer, thirsty, guru-given meditation. That's the grace. Techniques are great. Kriya Yoga is superb. And the mantras of the other masters are wonderful. But it's the grace of the other masters. It's the grace of the Buddha. It's the grace of the guru that lifts you into freedom. And practice it. What will happen is, and this is a guarantee, if you practice regularly and faithfully, the consciousness will less likely, thank you very much, the consciousness very much will stay in that guru realm. You will feel the guru's presence with you all the time. I do not know and I do not think that Kriyananda ever left that. I never saw him when he wasn't in conscious, constant awareness of the guru. That was one of the great blessings that I had as a young man, is I knew Kriyananda was the real deal before I even met him. (laughs) I knew that he had it because I could hear it in his voice and I could feel it. I wrote him a letter and I thanked him for writing the book, uh, Art, Art's Hidden Message, but I think it was called Art as a Channel, or it was called something. It was Swami Kriyananda's book about bringing the guru consciousness into the arts. And I read the book, and I understood from the book that this man lived the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda, and it was real. And I also knew that he could probably help me if he would let, you know, let me hang with him. And uh, <laughs> he wrote me back and said, why don't you come and visit Ananda? And I thought, oh, he made a mistake. <laughs> don't let this guy come. Because I didn't think I was ready for that. But Swami didn't judge you by age or by your current spiritual practices. He embraced you by the consciousness of the guru. And he said, come, join us. Because if you live in that consciousness, you'll see what it's like. I had no idea what a guru and what the guru's life was like on a day-to-day basis when I just studied from reading the autobiography and studying the lessons and getting Kriya and practicing. I just didn't understand what would it be like. Would he ride in a car? I didn't ride in cars for a while because they were polluting the planet. So I walked everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did a lot of things that we're, <laughs> we won't talk about. But, uh, but I just didn't understand what is the guru's life like in the now? And that's the secret to Ananda's present and future, is that Ananda is the guru's consciousness superimposed on the time we live, the place we live, the country we live, the culture we live, the subculture we live, that is still the guru. And to live that and to make your life a living laboratory where you live the guru's consciousness, what happens is 
the guru takes over. And that's the place that many of us are at now, where, and, and I, think, I think I've told you this, and I think Jaya Helene is it, but Jaya Helene and I had a discussion. Jaya and I, Helene and I have been working together for 42 years. And uh, every day we work together and we serve the guru as best we can. And one day last year, Jaya came over and said, Ananta, you realize that we're not doing this. Babaji is doing this. And I, I was right in there with him. I said, yes, Jaya, that's exactly right. Babaji is doing all this and we're not doing any of this. That comes to you, that all that has happened and all the beautiful things, including that temple and the Seattle temple and the Palo Alto Mandir and the, the communities and the Los Angeles Center and Assisi and India and Bangalore and Chennai and all these places, we're not doing it. The guru's doing it. And he's doing it because we're not doing it. If we start doing it, he can't get anything done. <laughs> we're going to screw it up. We're going to mess it up. It's going to have ego in it. It's going to have limitations. And instead, when the guru does it, it's like Oz. It just lands, whoop, <laughs> Sacramento Mondir, this Mondir. It's just a matter of time until it's finished. No big deal. No, not hard. Not difficult because the guru's doing it. We're just along for the ride. Everything in your life also, you'll be amazed. If you let go the control switch or just push the con control switch over to the guru, watch what happens. Watch how smoothly it flows and how easily it goes. I don't know if Jyotish and Devi were scared when Swami left, but what they did is they just said, Master, you've been running this place for a long time. Just stay at the controls, and we're here to, you know, oil them or <laughs> reprogram them or whatever it is. And so everything goes smoothly. That's how Kriyananda gave us Ananda, by stepping aside and letting Master do it. And he would put us in positions that were impossible, except if the Guru did it through us. And every member here can tell you hours and hours of stories about how Swami asked them to do this and they just didn't have a clue. And then this guy came over and said, oh, I know how to do that. The story about uh, the Hansa Temple, <laughs> we were kind of at an impasse on how to build the swoopy doopy lines on the roof. <laughs> and this guy comes up and goes, oh, I know how to build that. Here, do, 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 do. And then he disappeared. <laughs> Great, but it happens every day. It happens every day in every community, in, in the life of every disciple. And medically it happens where we take people to hospitals and we pray to the guru and then they come back and read the x-ray again. They say, oh, I thought this was malignant, but it, it's not so malignant as we thought. And then the, the third time they came back, this one lady, they said, I don't think it's malignant at all. And absolutely it was the prayers but the doctor can't hear that. That's okay. Because the guru likes to work from behind the scene. Sometimes. Sometimes it's a big flash. Sometimes it's a double rainbow. Sometimes it's just you at your desk in a faraway city in the middle of Omaha. Just trying and calling to the guru. And know that he's there with you always. That faith builds the spiritual path is difficult at first and then effortlessly liberating. It's easy if you go to Kriya 
if you re receive that Shakti pot, if you drink that Babaji drink with faith, if you open yourself to that reality, and if you're on another path, if you Om Mani Padme Hum, if you stare at the white wall, if you merge with the nothingness, it's not a form that gives you divine love. It is the reality of the Guru. And he, she is everywhere. It's beyond form. And it's your very own. I'd like to read a very brief passage since Bhakti, um, Badri brought Kabir. I'm going to bring one short Kabir prayer. Kabir uh, was a great guru in India. And he said, he is the real sad sadhu who can reveal the form of the formless to the vision of these eyes, who teaches the simple way of attaining him that is other than rites or ceremonies, who does not make you close the doors and hold the breath and renounce the world, who makes you perceive the Supreme Spirit wherever the mind attaches itself, who teaches you to be still in the midst of all your activities, ever immersed in bliss, having no fear in his mind. He keeps the spirit of union in the midst of all enjoyments. The infinite dwelling of the infinite being is everywhere, in earth, water, sky and air. Firm as the thunderbolt, the seat of the seeker is established above the void. He who is within is without. I see him and none else. Thank you for being here, Guruji. Let us stand. And let's do a variation on the three ohms. Let us send the Guru's blessing through the Om of the Divine Mother and feel from the Guru within you the infinite blessing of divine love, peace, joy, calmness, power, light, and Om through the vibration of Om. Let us Om three times. Om.